coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts, we are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to the Week 17 edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me this week, just Matt Price. Matt, how's it going? How'd, how'd the end of the regular season treat you? Well, we were talking about it beforehand, Dan, and it, it's fun seeing your players go off on your bench, but it gives you a little bit of a pang that, that you didn't get to play them this week because we don't play in, in Week 17 championship leagues, right? So uh, good to see that, though, ha- have some of our, our, our favorite rookies go off on their last game of the regular season and get us excited for 2021. Yeah, and we get to talk about those rookies throughout the episode today and some of the other big performers from weekend, Week 17 because there were so many. i got to tell you, every time Jonathan Taylor touched the football, though, it, 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 it felt so good, but <laughs> it was... It was a, a weird, weird kind of good feeling because it felt like points that could have been on those dynasty rosters that could have won titles. And I'm sure Taylor and these others that we're going to talk about helped other dynasty managers win their titles who play through week 17. So congratulations goes out to all those that play uh, all the way through the season, although we don't always recommend that, man. <laughs> yeah, there was I mean, I don't even know how you would have navigated today with all of the studs that were out. Uh, I guess you just play play Jonathan Taylor and you and you won your week seventeen. <laughs> yeah, if you had yeah, Taylor, that, that's and, always good. Taylor and Henry good and that and, and ship it right <laughs> and roll. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Let's let's start talking about some of these games, Matt. Because uh, although we are without our fearless leader Ryan McDowell, we have to move on. Uh, we're going to cover each one of the games as we have all season, and just to kind of oh, I guess hint. What's coming upcoming? We mentioned talking about these rookies this week. We're going to spend the NFL playoffs, Matt, talking about all the rookies from this season. We'll kind of, uh, with holiday season ending, we'll tie a bow on the on this rookie class as we get close to starting to talk about the 2021 rookie class. Uh, we always like to like to spend about a month talking about all these rookies that that are finishing their rookie season. So something to look forward to here on the podcast. As I said, let's begin with these games. Games, though, and we're going to start with Miami and Buffalo. The Bills won this one running away 56 to 26. Josh Allen was great in limited duty, 224, three touchdowns, did throw a pick. Matt, Stephon Diggs, seven catches for 76 yards. It seems like that's the floor for this guy. Yeah, I want to talk about him because he's someone I struggle with a little bit. There's just so many talented young receivers. And, of course, we have the veterans like Devontae Adams, the high-volume guys like Nuke, and, and even Michael Thomas, I would say, is probably still above him for me. 
so I did a little bit of a look at, at where he's at in the dynasty community right now. In December ADP, he was uh, 32.5 overall or wide receiver 13. Uh, we just started our January mock, so we're not all the way through with those, and I don't have access to all of them, but the one that I'm in, uh, he went 24th overall up to wide receiver 10, so rose about half a round. And in our rankings, uh, consensus about wide receiver 12, so he is a wide receiver 1. He's currently my wide receiver 17, so I'm a bit lower than him than, than the rest of our rankers. Uh, and then looking at a few trades, uh, uh, you can tell me how you feel about these, Dan. Uh, Allen Robinson and George Kittle for Stephon Diggs, Devontae Parker, and Mark Andrews. That was the most recent trade. Uh, that's a lot to digest quickly, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's uh, there's some good players in the deal for sure. It seems like it seems pretty fair on both sides. Uh, I think I probably prefer the. The, the A-Rob side a little bit, but because you got Kittle there. but Maybe slightly. Yeah. It's close. I can see both sides and then, of it for sure. And then this one was really interesting, I thought. Diggs for, for James Robinson. You know, he is, he's obviously a very good wide receiver, very productive wide receiver, but you have that running back premium just because there's less of them to go around. I, I think I probably still want Diggs in there. I don't know why I'm still not trusting J-Rob that, that much, at least in terms of a top, top 12-ish running back, so I probably still want Diggs there. Yeah, I'm going to take Diggs in a landslide on that one. I'm I'm with you. I'm not sold on Robinson. Uh, maybe I'm slow to come around as well, but a 27-year-old receiver coming off of this kind of pr- production. Uh, Diggs, it, it's really funny, Matt. He, A lot of people saw it as kind of a sideways shuffle to go to Buffalo in the quarterback situation there and the or even a other wide receivers or, there. Or even, yeah, a and he, even a downgrade for some people. And he's just been a target monster. No matter what your your scoring settings, he's a top. He's he's a wide receiver one and probably a top six wide receiver in fantasy this season. And I think it, you know you said that wide receiver thirteen. I, that's a travesty, really. I know there's all these young guys. We we got to put these rookies like Lamb and Jefferson and and uh, even T Higgins above him. But that that seems so low for a guy coming off the kind of season he's having with all these guys coming back in Buffalo next year. Yeah, and again, it's just because, like we said, there's just so many good wide receivers right now. Uh, one final data point to put a, a bow on this in the trade analyzer, uh, which you know uh, assesses value based on our rankings and and ADP. It draws from a bunch of different sources. Uh, we have uh, he's valued at about the one hundred four ish in a one quarterback league and a one in the one hundred seven ish in a, in a super flex league, which which feels about right. I don't think I would want to give up a top three pick in a one quarterback league for him, but after that, I think you're probably right on there. And then the same in a super flex. If once you add those two to three quarterbacks that are going to go early, plus the the four three to four other skill position players, so I feel like those are pretty right on. I I don't think I'm I'm necessarily going to go out and look to buy at those prices, uh, but I think it's a reasonable ask. Yeah, I think it is for sure. I don't mind it at all. And, you know, the more you talk about Stefan Diggs here and his value, the more I think about Josh Allen and what he may be, how he may be per- perceived this offseason. A lot of people had him in that MVP conversation halfway through the season, and he had some bumps in the road. He was struggled through an injury and then came back f- like like he did at the beginning of the season towards the end of the year with big game after big game again 224 and 3 on Sunday against 
uh, the Dolphins and looked his regular self moving around in the pocket and outside the pocket, even ran a couple of times, throwing lasers all over the field. He finishes the season with f- over 4,500 yards, 37 passing touchdowns, went over 400 rushing yards, and had eight rushing scores, Matt. So he provides that floor that we like with all these rushing quarterbacks. That's not going away. And now with the upgrade uh, in this wide receiver core that Diggs has given him, he seems like uh, that lethal weapon that can uh, put up three touchdowns and and you know go for fifty plus rushing yards any week, uh, be a quarterback one any week. So the quarterback seven and ADP right now. How do you feel about Josh Allen going into the off season? Because he feels like a he feels like a guy that dynasty managers everywhere. You're either all in on or you're all out based on the slow start to his career and maybe the negative connotations with what, what we expected from him uh, coming out of college or, or all the way up on a high because of how great he's been this season with it. Yeah. He's a, he's a, a, a quarterback that I have, I know I've been slow to come around on, you know, I was always kind of hesitant with him, especially with his inaccuracies, but this year he's, he's really proved himself. He's, he, I think he's, he's, he's landed in that circle of trust. I think he was that guy in that kind of that next tier after the Mahomes and Murray and maybe Lamar Jackson, whoever else you want to throw up there in the first tier. Uh, and he's, he was kind of in that, that next tier. And now he's, now he's, I think he's solidified his, his place in that next year. I have, I do struggle at quarterback seven. I'm, I'm fine with, uh, because he's in that same tier, but I struggle to get him above nine. Uh, and I just run off the quarterbacks real quick. Uh, obviously Mahomes, Murray, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson. I don't think there's any argument there. I think, I think there's, a, there's an argument to have him at five, but I still have Wilson, Herbert and Burrow and Prescott above him. How do you feel about that? You put him above yeah, those I guys. Think- I think he fits right in that conversation. ADP tells you that he's right in the middle of that group of Wilson, Herbert, then Allen, then Burrow and Prescott before we get to uh, some of the other veterans like Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, QB seven, as we mentioned, I think, I don't think anybody's going to argue with them with, with you for having them anywhere between five and maybe nine. I I think nine's fine. Uh, if Dak w- play, had played all season, I think there's a very compelling argument to be made that he'd be inside that top four or five that we mentioned, and we wouldn't be talking about him at eight or nine. So to have Dak over him, that nobody's going to argue with that for sure. But Josh Allen's just 24. Um, some of these other guys that we're talking about are 25, and and in Prescott's case, 27. Uh, Allen's still a youngster and feels like he's an ascending player. Uh, I don't think the rushing floor is going away, and that's what keeps him in that conversation for, you know, really a mid-quarterback one. Let's move on, Matt, to the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals, or or the players that were representing the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday, at least. The Ravens win this one, running away 38-3. to Lamar Jackson was really good, just 113 passing yards, but three of those passes went for touchdowns, also added 97 rush yards. I want to talk about Lamar just a little bit, not that this is just a quarterback episode, Matt, <laughs> but it feels like there was so many of us that were down on Lamar halfway through the season. They get a little bit easier of schedule late in the year, and suddenly he's the Lamar of old. Um, he's the quarterback three in ADP, of course. You just mentioned that. It feels like he's back. He's running around. He's throwing lasers all over the place. We have Marquise Brown getting involved in the passing game. That has helped outstretch the field, of course. And Lamar feels like that guy that can go off 
week in and week out once again for dynasty managers. Yeah, I think we really have to just continue to to realize how much value he adds on the ground again, you know, under 200 yards passing today, I believe. Uh, so the, those yardage totals aren't, aren't quite there through the air just yet like they were last season. But that's why he's so special is that he has such a high floor without those extreme passing numbers. I and mean, those those weeks that he does hit the passing numbers like that. I mean, it's a it's a weak league winner for you, right? A, a week winner uh, at the very least. So uh, and if he hits in the playoffs, obviously the league winner. So I, I agree with you. I think he's back in our I mean, and not that he ever really left our circle of trust. I mean, his bad weeks were still what low end quarterback one, uh, you know, high end right. quarterback two. So but now he, he's he, he's he's kind of reminding us of the upside that he has uh, when he is when the when the passing game is firing miles boykin look good today so you know hopefully th- those young receivers that they have there can will continue to develop i still would like to see them add a veteran i know they have willie sneed there but <laughs> you know uh, willie sneed's great and all for for his role but if they had uh, kind of kind of that 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 alpha there to help the mentor those young, young guys and kind of provide a safety blanket for lamar jackson he could take another step forward so he's still there i don't think there's any reason to move him out of your top tier yeah, and we didn't even mention uh, Mark Andrews, who's that yeah. big red zone threat and will continue to help Lamar uh, as a big target. With the, I think really we're skipping the running game, and that was the story of this ball game because the Ravens ran all over the Bengals. J.K. Dobbins was the lead ball carrier. Just 13 carries, but he can turn that into 160 and two touchdowns. Wasn't involved in the passing game, though, Matt. J.K. Dobbins, we, we kind of kicked off the show talking about Jonathan Taylor and these rookies. If it weren't for Taylor, J.K. Dobbins would be the story of the day, really, in Dynasty. Absolutely. And he's doing it without, uh, you know, as nearly as much volume as J.T. is. You know, he still right. has Gus Edwards there taking taking carries. Uh, I don't know if that's going to continue next year. Uh, we still have, obviously, Lamar Jackson's going to run, you know, eight to ten times a game, sometimes more than that. So I do wonder if that caps his ultimate upside a little bit uh but i still i I, i'm i'm apparently way ahead of the market on this as well so just some more sort of numbers for you in december adp he was the running back 16 23 and a half overall uh on the board looking again at this one mock draft that uh that we're doing now we just started in january he's running he's moved up to running back 11 16 overall i currently have him running back six dan uh, I don't know if that's super aggressive or not. So I kind of wanted to do a little bit of uh, this or that with you uh, over uh, of these top running backs for uh, for me real quick. And I think we can all agree, both of us agree, and probably Ryan would agree as well. He's probably still behind McCaffrey, Barkley, and probably Kamara. But after that, I mean, it feels like it's it's wide open. And I, and I actually have Taylor and Dobbins next on that list. So uh, is he that high for you? Uh, are you taking him over guys like Dalvin Cook, Josh Jacobs, Zeke, Derrick Henry, even Miles Sander, these guys that have already kind of established themselves they still aren't super old uh, except for obviously Derrick Henry um, but uh, that's where he's at for me and and I, apparently I'm so, super above the market I don't, I don't know how you feel about that well I, I think he belongs in the conversation and, and nobody should really argue too much if you want to put a guy like him or Taylor ahead of a guy like Cook or or Zeke um, personally, I'd take him over Zeke, all those guys over Zeke and Derrick Henry, probably Miles Sanders as well. Dalvin Cook is the different story for me. Uh, he's so dynamic and, and a big part of that offense, especially if that coaching staff returns and they have shown that they're so committed to Dalvin Cook. I think it'd be hard to pass on him in favor of these guys. Although, man, you know how I feel about Jonathan Taylor, <laughs> especially. He's, he's just so good. And if, if that coaching staff commits to Taylor like they did on Sunday – uh, with the Colts giving him 30 carries and and then talking about the Ravens and Dobbins, 
you mentioned it, Dobbins's role and his carries could go up substant- substantially next season. And if that happens, his floor could easily become uh, 15 to 20 touches and 100 scrimmage yards if, if, that, if that comes to fruition. So we'll see if that, that all happens. You know, it's going to be an interesting conversation and certainly one we'll have in the coming weeks as we put a bow on these running backs or these rookie rookies at all positions, really. The last thing we should mention from this game, Marquise Brown, another solid game, just five catches for 41, but he was targeted in the end zone, got two scores in the game. Uh, I did, you know, that Travion Williams run for the Bengals, uh, it was the lone highlight for Cincinnati, four rushes, 74 yards. He's just a, just a guy to keep in mind uh, for dynasty managers everywhere once again. Is there any reason for the Bengals to play Giovanni Bernard over Travion Williams anymore? I just... No, just, like, absolutely like it, like not. Just, That's why Travion should be on all our radars. Exactly. Like, I mean, obviously, Gio had a, a fine game for fantasy last week, but it just it doesn't really seem like he's offering anything that any of the other backs, honestly, are, are have on that roster. Right, and Travion has a little bit of that unknown upside, yeah. which does not exist with Gio. So I'm glad he's getting a few opportunities. I wish he had another game to show what he could do as a featured back in a better game script, but we'll have to wait till next year to see that. Uh, the Browns outlasted the Steelers 24-22. to Matt, it was, it was a good game, good football game for sure. Baker Mayfield was competitive and played well, 196-1, and had 44 rushing yards. Nick Chubb was good, although he only had... 14 carries, but he got 108 rushing yards and a touchdown. I don't know if there's a lot to talk about with the Browns. It seems like everything to me, and it looks like to you as well, when I watched this game, I was thinking about those those Pittsburgh weapons. They have so many on the outside, and there's questions with Ben, and they don't have a running game. The offensive line has struggled as run blockers as well. What What's your takeaways from this Steelers offense coming out of the regular season? I, I really struggle with ranking these three wide receivers. They're obviously all very talented, yeah. very, very good, and they all feel like they're worth kind of about the same. I mean, maybe even in the same tier. I, I guess we could say maybe Claypool has the highest, like, athletic upside and kind of bust those big gains but Deontay has the volume but Juju gets volume too and so I think right now I'm going Deontay uh Claypool Juju but if Juju isn't back with Pittsburgh and lands in a better position and Ben retires and these guys are stuck with who knows what at quarterback uh, maybe Juju is still the most valuable of these three so <laughs> it's it's really like a mental uh, gymnastics I've been doing with these guys for the last week and I I, I still am not 100% sure if I have him nailed down correctly. I'm going with the volume right now because Deontay seems to have that, although not necessarily in this game. Seems like they did want to show off Claypool or maybe he just had some kind of you know special relationship with those backup quarterbacks. I'm not sure. Uh, but in general, I think we say Deontay has the, has the most volume of these three, and that's kind of with what I'm going with right now. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you didn't ask me how to rank them because <laughs> I I don't know where they fall. They're all close. They're if you look at ADP, they're all between 14 and 23 among wide receivers. So in that wide receiver two range, and what you mentioned there with Juju potentially leaving in free agency, the potential for a different quarterback to be under center, and if that's Mason Aaron Rudolph, Rogers. that that feels oh my gosh, wouldn't Let's that be get a dream? Juju and uh, <laughs> <laughs> start the hashtag right. Uh, you know, it did seem like if it were to be a, a quarterback in the that is like Mason Rudolph that likes to push the do- ball down the field and throw jump balls, that would really help a guy like Chase Claypool. He got opportunities down the field on Sunday, five for 101 and a touchdown. Deontay just three, but three catches, but 96 yards. And then Juju six for 65 and a score. 
they spread it out once again. I I don't know I'll, if I have to rank them. I'll say Juju Clayson. That's the guy I want. <laughs> I want all three of them on my on my there's, roster. There's no so. wrong answer. Yeah, they're all good. So uh, let's let's move on to the Vikings and Lions. They they put on a shootout in a game that really didn't matter. The Vikings uh, come out on top, thirty-seven to thirty-five. Kirk Cousins was brilliant. That's something I've never said before. <laughs> Four hundred and five yards and three touchdowns. Alexander Madison was good as well. He had twenty-one for ninety-five and a score. Also caught three for fifty and another touchdown in relief of Dalvin Cook, who was unavailable in the game. I think the story every time we talk about the Vikings, Matt, is always Justin Jefferson, though. Nine catches, 133 yards, broke all kinds of records on Sunday. Vikings records, league records, rookie records. He was he was brilliant once again. And I don't know what um, what dynasty managers and, and NFL executives, for that matter, were really thinking as he dropped down uh, draft boards throughout the summer. And even in the NFL draft, he was passed up for other wide receivers. Can, can anybody make a case that he's not the number one rookie wide receiver and that he shouldn't be the, the rookie of the year, really, in the NFL? I think the only possible case you could make for him not being the top wide receiver is that if you believe Dak is coming back and then his quarterback situation is better. Uh, but, you know, they have all those weapons in Dallas. They got to spread them around. Maybe Gallup's gone, but Amari Cooper's probably still going to be around. Uh, so uh, other than that, I can't see it. I, I still, I, I have Justin Jefferson ahead of him. In fact, I have Justin Jefferson as, as my wide receiver five now. So, uh, and I, I don't, that, that might be low. Honestly, I've seen some people throwing him as wide receiver one. Now I'm not willing to, to throw him over guys like, uh, you know, AJ Brown and Devontae Adams, DK Metcalf, those guys quite yet, but there's certainly an argument for him to be that high. I wouldn't, wouldn't argue with somebody that hasn't but one. Yeah, absolutely. A wide receiver one and, and, really a high-end wide receiver one uh, and elite guy at the position for years to come. He's so smooth and looks so good. And, you know, the thing about it is everybody last year, and we'll have lots of time to talk about that, this, everybody last year said he wasn't even the best wide receiver on his college team. So so there's, a, there's another guy we need to talk about in the coming months coming out of LSU as well. For the Lions in this one, Stafford was good, 293 and three touchdowns. Swift scored on the ground, so that was a nice sign. Uh, Marvin Jones, eight for 180 and two, and should have had a third one, really. The refs dogged him on one of them. So uh, he finally had that really blow-up game for for. Not for me. I know that. Uh, how about the Patriots and the Jets? This was a boring game. The Patriots win 28-14. to 14. Cam Newton had a game, though, one of his best as a Patriot and most likely his last game in New England. 242 and three touchdowns, added 79 rushing yards as well. Sony Michelle comes out of nowhere for 16 and 76 and three catches, Matt, for 60 yards and a receiving touchdown. What is up with that? Jacoby Myers, six for 68 and through that 19 yard touchdown pass to cam i don't know if there's anything to talk about in new england that that team's gonna look so different next season so let's skip them let's try to talk (laughs) about the the jets huh because nothing's gonna be different there the only thing i could come up with matt chris herndon seven for 63 and a touchdown over the last three games 14 catches 145 and two he's healthy he was in the in the 
game plan for sure over the last month in the season. Is there a chance that he's that post-type sleeper at the tight end position, a guy that you can grab for nothing and potentially slide into your lineup a few times as a backup tight end next year? I feel like he was a post-type sleeper coming into the 2020 season. <laughs> and it has, I do remember that. And it hasn't really worked out until until recently. I mean, he's had a game here and there, but he's he's someone who just, just kind of keeps teasing us, you know, one of these high right. upside you know, tight end twos on our roster, I guess, that we're going to plug in when we need to. You, maybe he emerges. Um, when I think about the Jets now, I wonder, uh, and, and now that the news has come out that it's pretty inevitable that Gase is going to be let go and we're going to move on, is is the thing I keep coming back to is are we excited now about the Jets as a landing spot now that uh, now that Gase is going to be gone and there's a lot of open, uh, maybe not necessarily o- like completely open positions, but you know, guys like Jamison Crowder are obviously going to be great veterans to have. They're probably going to keep them around. Um, Denzel Mims from this this season, but they have no running back to speak of. They could absolutely not use another wide receiver. I'm not buying into <laughs> Brashad Perriman's you know late late season breakout necessarily there. Uh, and then you know, is there? I, I don't think there's any chance of Sam Darnold's back, but he's looked better the last couple of weeks too. So. Uh, it's, it's an interesting team from a landing spot situation and, and one I, I, I want to believe in, but it's just so hard. Gase has had such a cast, such a shadow over that team, you know? Yeah. I think the right answer is to try to be a little more open-minded towards the jets moving forward in that landing spot, especially when it comes to anybody they sign in free agency uh, or, or add through the draft because this new coaching staff, this new front office will, will try to find their guys that will work in their system. So, so if we all try to just be a little bit more open-minded, maybe we'll, we'll get a bargain here or there because everybody in your dynasty league won't be so open-minded. Uh, the Giants, they outscored the Cowboys in a pivotal game for both teams, even though they both, uh, they both are awful. The Giants win 23-19. to Daniel Jones threw a couple of touchdowns. Sterling Shepard caught one of those. He went 8 for 112, so a nice game for him. Not sure there's a lot to talk about with the Giants. We don't know if they're going to be in the playoffs. They could be. We haven't seen Sunday night football just yet, but let's, let's skip uh, New York and go to the Cowboys because there's got to be something to talk about there. 14 carries for 42 yards and a touchdown for Ezekiel Elliott. Also caught three passes. I think all of his managers are just looking forward to next year. Dalton Schultz, he went seven for 70 in this game. I, I couldn't believe it. And during the broadcast of the game, Matt, they mentioned Dalton Schultz's stat line for the season, said he was over 60 catches. So I looked it up, 63 for 615 and four touchdowns on the year is the really the fifth target in that offense with a backup quarterback under center. Uh, not that Dalton Schultz is going to be anything going forward, but maybe this, the whole Blake Jarwin thing that was happening in the preseason and, and all the cold water got poured on that with the injury in week one, Maybe that comes around in 2021 because that offense uses the tight end. Absolutely. Every time Jalton Schultz catches a, a ball, I think about like what Blake Jarwin could have done done with that that same sure. same reception. You know, Dalton Schultz. Uh, he's again great for what he does, but he's kind of a catch it and fall down sort of player. Uh, Dalton, uh, excuse me, Blake Jarwin, uh, much more athletic. Uh, he didn't really do a whole lot at the combine. His season ran the twenty yard and the sixty yard shuttle, but at his pro day ran a sub five, five four seven three, actually 40, uh, 20 yard split at, at two point seven six seconds. A nice vertical height. So he's he's much more athletic than than uh, Dalton Schultz is. So it, we kind of 
they got robbed from that. There, he was Jarwin was kind of the the sleeper. Maybe he's the post high sleeper for next year, right? Uh, I had my doubts with again, like with how many targets were were there and 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 how how where we was going to sit it with the pecking order. Uh, but it didn't matter. That that offense was just so good early on with Dak. Everybody was eating it, and and now he's found kind of a, a safety blanket role with, with Andy Dalton. So uh, so Jar- just plug Jarwin in for what Schultz has done. I bet we would have seen, you know, those 63 catches for 600 yards. I bet we're looking at somewhere around 800 yards and, and you know, close to, you know, seven, eight touchdowns, something like that. So uh, there's definitely upside there uh, going forward. Yeah, and, and Schultz, you mentioned targets. He flirted with 90 targets on the season. Yeah. He was getting looks regularly, game in and game out. And I completely agree. More athletic version of him. Jarwin can run that seam a little bit and make big plays happen. Certainly a better red zone threat as well. Cause so you could see the, the touchdown number jump up as well, especially with a better quarterback under center next season and Dak Prescott. So somebody to think about for next year with Blake Jarwin as you're doing your negotiating this summer and trade talks. Uh, the last game before we take a quick break, the Buccaneers and the Falcons. Bucks win this one 44-27. Tom Brady was magnificent, 399 through the air and four touchdowns. A couple of those going to Antonio Brown, who had his best game as a Buccaneer, 11 catches for 138 in those two scores. Chris Godwin also found Pater twice, five for 133. So these guys, these receivers that Tom Brady used uh, for most of this game because Mike Evans had a little bit of a knee injury in the middle of the game, did not look, there doesn't sound to be serious, Matt. What are your thoughts about Brown and Godwin? Because they put this team together to make a run at a Super Bowl. Brady signed long-term, but when it comes to Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin, there are question marks. Yeah, Evans uh, got hurt today. Hopefully it's nothing that's going to affect the start of his, the 2021 season. I don't know if you have any updates there. Uh, but, yeah, Brown is a UFA, obviously signed that one deer deal. And Chris Godwin's an unrestricted free agent as well. So my, my, this is, there's, there's, I have no, absolutely no evidence to back this up. My gut, my gut feeling is that they bring Brown back on another one-year deal and he plays a bigger role in the offense. And Godwin, he's going to be pretty expensive, so probably goes elsewhere, maybe Green Bay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm just going to send all We're of going to keep Green I'm right? just going to send all of the great U, uh, UFA wide receivers to Green Bay until until one of them happens. Um, so so that's kind of my feeling about the situation going forward. I think Brady is probably almost certainly back for another season, uh, and Evans obviously, and they bring back Brown and 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 Godwin moves on, and that's still a pretty pretty great wide receiver core. So. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm vaguely interested in, in, in Antonio Brown this offseason. We know that as we approach the rookie draft, it's kind of like an inverse curve that these veterans, especially these older guys like Antonio Brown, their values dip. I've seen him move for third-round picks lately. And if he's the wide receiver, too, for Tampa Bay with Tom Brady uh, in 2021, I will gladly spend a third-round pick on Antonio Brown this, uh, this offseason. Yeah, it seems like the, the there's going to be opportunities to buy into that offense. And with all the expectations being that Brady will be back, that, that they're going to make another run no matter how this season ends, uh, that, that in 2021 you're going to want pieces of that offense, no doubt. I, I have the same gut feeling that Brown would return and that Godwin could potentially move on. If that's the case, uh, I'll be real interested in what him moving on or, or the, him being in limbo does to his value because – I'm not convinced that Tampa Bay uses Chris Godwin as 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 they're supposed to be. He could he could be even a better player than than what he's been, especially in the second half of the season. As far as Mike Evans' knee injury reports on Twitter throughout the afternoon, 
uh, there w- there was reports that Bruce Arians said, knock on wood, we don't think there's any serious damage, and then added that they'll know more in the next 24 hours. So maybe by the time you even hear this, there'll be more on Evans, but hopefully he'll be available throughout the postseason for the Buccaneers. Other notes from this game, uh, Matt Ryan, the, the topic of a lot of talk in Atlanta, it sounds like that maybe he could potentially be somewhere else next season. 265 and two touchdowns. Russell Gage was really good in this one. Nine catches, 91, and a touchdown. I think he's a sneaky guy to have at the back of your roster. 71 catches, 786 yards, and four touchdowns on the season. Had a good finish to 2019 last year once Mohamed Sanu was traded away. An especially good year at the end of this season now with Julio Jones on the shelf due to injury. So playing third fiddle in that offense, maybe it's only if Matt Ryan is back in 2021, Matt, but Russell Gage, not a bad guy to have on your roster and on your radar this offseason. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And and it seems like both Julio and Calvin Ridley are going to be missing several games each every season of their career. I mean, you know, they can obviously come out of that, or at least at least Ridley can. But in those weeks where one of them misses time, Gage is the next guy up. So I, I don't hate that at all. Before we move on to the next game, we should talk about our friends over at monkeyknifefight.com. They are the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site on the planet, and they are giving you free money and free dynasty football content with your initial deposit. I've been talking about these guys for weeks, and now that your dynasty regular season is over, you've wrapped up that championship in your dynasty league, it's time to go play some daily games throughout the NFL playoffs. You can do that with a minimum of a $10 deposit to Monkey Knife Fight, and and for doing that, you're going to get a free DynastyLeagueFootball.com annual premium membership. This offer is also good to extend your current DLF annual membership by a whole year. Monkey Knife Fight will also match that initial deposit amount, doubling your bankroll up to a maximum of $50. You can play all the fantasy football you want throughout the NFL postseason and add baseball, basketball, hockey, Golf, UFC, esports, other prop bets, and so much more. You're going to find a lot of entertaining contest options even in these uncertain times. Monkey Knife Fight provides DFS games without salary caps. So if you can correctly predict the outcome, you're guaranteed to win. And there are no sharks, no professionals to prevent you from claiming your prize. At Monkey Knife Fight, you're not going to get algorithmed by the top 1% who dominate those other daily fantasy sites. Check out the new and improved DFS and prop bet experience and claim your deposit match in your free DynastyLeagueFootball.com premium membership only at MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Let's talk about the Saints and the Panthers. Saints rolled in this one, 33-7. Drew Brees, 201 yards and three touchdowns, but was taken off the field in favor of Taysom Hill multiple times again. Emmanuel Sanders got a big bonus because he got his eight catches he needed for that half a million he wanted. Nine catches, 63, and a score. So Teddy Bridgewater on the other side, 176, no touchdowns, two picks. Didn't have his best game, Matt. What are your thoughts on on this matchup as you watched it? My thoughts on this game went again went went to the off season because <laughs> uh, you know New Orleans is going to the playoffs, so it, whatever, and Carolina's not, so whatever. So go, going <laughs> to the real dynasty season, the off season, I, I wonder if if either team has their starting quarterback on their roster, and I think we could even extend that to to uh, the other two teams in the division. Uh, 
you know, uh, New Orleans, it, Breeze looked like he's been pretty beat up this uh, this season, right? You know, he, he I think he has another year on his contract, and he certainly could come back. Maybe he will if they don't win the Super Bowl this year. He just seems like that kind of guy. But if not, are they going to? Are they actually going to hand the ball over to Taysom Hill, or are they going to re-sign Jameis? You know, it, it's just such an open. Uh, possibility for 2021 for this team. So I think a lot of our, our work on this division is going to be how does this the, the, the potential new quarterback affect this team's weapons for, for 2021 and beyond. And then Carolina, you know, they're not going to have a, a top five pick. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Atlanta does. We just talked about them, but they're, let me, I just had it pulled up here. They're going to have, looks like they're going to have the fourth pick overall. So are they the guy that takes that that third quarter, third quarterback of the first round? We, we feel like Fields and, 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 and Lawrence are going to be one, two. Atlanta at four, are they going to take the next guy? Uh, and then you have to go up down to eight to Carolina. Carolina, uh, you know, they, are they going to take the fourth guy? Are they going to try to move up, take a third guy? Are they going to roll with Teddy again? So lots of questions with these three. And then Will, you just talked about, uh, uh, we just talked about all four of these teams, right? Brady, like he's going to be back for one year, but what happens after that? So all four of these teams, the quarterback situation is going to be in flux over the next year or two. So a very interesting to, uh, uh, division in terms of that position. Yeah, and we're going to get to a lot of those quarterbacks that are going to go in the draft. We'll talk plenty about that in the coming months. But, you know, anybody who watched a lot of uh, uh, postseason college football, we all know about Zach Wilson now. He's become kind of that mainstream name, the potential third quarterback in this draft class, a guy that could potentially even go in the top five. It feels to me, Matt, you mentioned your gut earlier. I'm going to say to me, Feels like Carolina is a team that will probably invest in the position one way or another. I doubt they just roll into the season with Teddy Bridgewater locked in as their number one option without at least a little bit of comp- uh, competition. Maybe that comes from a veteran off another roster. Maybe that comes through the draft. We'll see. Uh, there are weapons there, and you know Absolutely. we saw them on Sunday. Kurt- Curtis Samuel seven for one eighteen. DJ Moore five for one hundred one. These guys are getting open, and there are times when you shake your head and think, "Man, if they if they had a guy that could put it right on him uh, on that slant, that might have been a forty yard touchdown instead of a eight yard first down catch." It's another group of wide receivers that's maybe more difficult to rank than it should be. We had Robbie Anderson as the clear wide receiver one early. I think we all probably have DJ Moore number one, but now Curtis Samuel coming on. All three of these guys, very productive. So, Very productive and have bright futures, it still feels. Even Robbie Anderson, yeah. undervalued going into the offseason still and certainly has an opportunity to repeat what he did this season in 2021. Uh, let's talk about our Packers, Matt. They win. They get the number one seed in the NFC, so that we won't uh, we won't get to watch them play next week. They beat the Bears, thirty five to sixteen. Felt good to watch the Bears fall. Aaron Rodgers, two forty and four touchdowns, but could have could have really thrown a couple picks yeah. in that game. Devontae Adams ties the uh, the Packers record with eighteen touchdown catches, breaks the record for most catches in a season, and missed two and a half games. He's he goes six for forty six in a score. I don't know if there's a lot to talk about with the Packers. If there's any takeaway for you, Matt, uh, what is it? T- to me, it's it's the backfield and and just wondering what they're going to do with with Aaron Jones and if they're going to bring him back or not. We saw last week when he went out of the game, they they kind of handed it handed handed the entire game to to AJ Dillon, 21 carries, 124 yards, a two touchdowns, kind of a teaser role. But back to the bench today with I, I believe just one carry. Uh, uh, I think only one snap. Yeah, one actually. snap too. So yeah, so so I. It, you know, if, if Aaron Jones is back, what does that do for for AJ Dillon? Will it be more of a split? Will they bring back Jamal Williams if if uh, 
if they don't bring if they if they don't bring back uh, Aaron Jones. So I, I kind of feel like maybe it's just wishful thinking as a Packers fan. For me, I hope they do bring back Aaron Jones uh, and AJ Dillon pl- that kind of plugs into that Jamal Williams role. Um, but it seems like uh, it, it might not be that. It seems like AJ Dillon might be the guy. Maybe they let both of them go. I don't know. Uh, but this is a backfield that's in flux. Uh, what what do you think about that, Dan? What, what do you hope? Well, I think I think jo- I think Williams is going to be cheap no matter where yeah. he lands up. And and that I think he's probably worth more to the Packers than he is to anybody else. So I feel like he would likely be back, especially if Jones leaves. There was a play in the game, though, Matt. I'm sure you'll remember it. I think it was about a third and six, third and eight, whatever it was. He, Rodgers was under pressure, uh, had to dump it off to Jones, and he had to break a few tackles to get a first down. And there are only a handful of running backs that break those tackles and make those guys miss. He turned what most turn into three or four yards into a 15-yard gain. And that's what you get with Jones that you don't get with anybody else. Dylan was incredible on Sunday night last week against the Titans in the snow. But Jones is the number two playmaker on that offense. And you could probably make, make a case that he's, he's what the offense runs through uh, as far as outside of Aaron Rodgers. He needs weapons to throw the football to. Obviously he is Adams, but Jones is a big part of that game plan every week. And they, they don't put him in harm's way. They only, they only make him touch the ball between 12 and 20 times per game. But he's ideal for that role, and and as far as football goes, they need him back. And I, I really do feel like even uh, in fantasy and, and for dynasty managers – we probably all want him back in Green Bay and attached to Aaron Rodgers in that offense. Yeah, we're we're of the same brain there then because I, I feel like he's may, maybe even more important to the offense than Devontae Adams. Obviously, Agreed. he's he's the, he's the number one target. You know, there's not really anyone else to speak of. Say what you want about a nice season from from MVS and and from Alan Lazard when he's been healthy, and of course Robert Tanyan's emergence. But you know, with all of the success they've had off of play action uh, and that that Lafleur scheme and that kind of mind meld that that Rodgers and he have this season it just feels like Jones is very important to what they do and if they don't bring him back I I worry a little bit about the success of that offense in 2021 yeah it it is a it is definitely something dynasty managers will be looking for throughout the offseason Jones has said that they've they've worked on an extension hasn't quite happened rumor out of Green Bay is that the Packers it would be very difficult for the Packers to franchise tag Aaron Jones they have a lot of other things to take care of and and some cap issues in Green Bay as well so we'll see how that that all comes together in the offseason in the meantime they need to worry about this postseason run uh We'll see what happens as they get the number one pick. For the Bears, Matt, we should mention real quickly, we mentioned the rookies that made a made a splash this week. Uh, Darnell Mooney, 11 catches, 93 yards before he went went out of the game injured uh, in the second half. Um, the, the Bears had a game plan, obviously, to protect Mitchell Trubisky, quick passes, short passes. Mooney was a big part of that. If Trubisky is back and Mooney is back, and depending on what happens with A-Rob and if they bring out bring in another alpha receiver or, or bring him back, Mooney could have, have a nice future, and that could be as soon as next season. So a guy to monitor. David Montgomery has had, had a brilliant second half to the season, especially 22 carries, 69, and a touchdown. But nine catches in this game, again, as they protect Trubisky, and he dr- dumps the ball down. And then another young player, Cole Komet, seven catches, just 41 yards. But he's obviously the tight end to own in Chicago. He's a, he's a good player, an ascending player that will have more value every year that passes moving forward. 
Let's go on to the Titans and the Texans. It was a crazy end to this one, and Derrick Henry went ballistic. 34 carries, 250 yards, and two touchdowns in the Titans' 41-38 to victory. A.J. Brown was also excellent, 10 for 151-1. and Ryan Tannehill threw for 216 and a score. Also had seven carries for 38 yards and two of those rushing touchdowns as the whole defense crashes in on Henry, uh, and Tannehill takes it off the edge for the score. Those touchdowns should really be Derrick Henry's, Matt, because he brings in the whole defense. <laughs> Tannehill goes untouched around the edge. Yeah, he's – I just don't know what to do with Derrick. He's so good. He, he is. He's so he is. Good. Don't say what you're about to say he, because he's so good. You just need to keep riding him to titles. He really is, but I guess maybe – again, maybe I'm making too much out of this, but we saw over 400 touches last last off, last off season, including the playoffs. This season, 378 it, touches it on the ground. It didn't seem to bug him too much really, this year. It really – He went over two grand, Matt. It really <laughs> doesn't. Uh, but, you know, back-to-back seasons, of, I mean, they're going to the playoffs, so he's going to be over 400 touches again. Maybe he is that – that unicorn, so to speak, of someone that this heavy of a workload does not bother and it's going to be more of the same. And it really feels like on the surface that it's going to be more of the same for this team in in 2021. Uh, the same similar offense. Maybe Corey Davis is gone, but they're going to be a run-based team and Derrick Henry is going to be, be the lead uh, of that, obviously. So it, it, I just... I don't know. I'm a little bit worried about him. So I have him lower than I think most people in the dynasty community does. And I think he's probably a sell for me again this off season. Uh, but maybe you're not going to get enough return and you just roll the dice again. That's probably the correct move. He's the guy. He, he is the guy that Matt, you, you look at ADP when you're trying to trade him and you see the names around him and you say, man, I got to trade Derrick Henry. Cause obviously I want Deandre Swift and, and I want CD lamb. And I, I want guys like Jonathan Taylor and Justin Jefferson. And there, I don't play in any leagues where you can trade Derrick Henry for Justin Jefferson. No, that doesn't exist. No. But ADP suggests as Derrick Henry is a first round pick at 12 and Justin Jefferson is at 18. Jonathan Taylor is at 19 that, that you should be able to do that, right? And and it's just not the case. I, I don't play in any leagues where I could do it. So he's he's just a hold, and you, you need to keep winning with him. And when the wheels fall off, he's probably a guy you either trade for a third-round pick as he changes teams, or you just simply outright release because he's about to retire. Yeah, maybe the move with him is, and it's probably not. It's it's probably too obvious of a move to make. I guess at this point is, you know, let's see if he makes it through. Let's say the first six weeks of the twenty twenty one season, and then that's when you try to pull the trigger and trade for him because because obviously there's nobody better in these December months, so these late season games, uh, the fantasy playoffs. Like he's he he wins he wins titles. So he just does. You know the. The, the wheels are going to fall off. I agree with you. And that workload catches up with every running back that does it. We all remember the Sean Alexanders and the Priest Holmes and, and all these guys that just get rode for year in and year out. And then finally, they're just not the same guy anymore. That will happen, but it hasn't to this point. And I only have them in a couple places. I came around to Derrick Henry late and bought him for cheap when people just didn't want him anymore. And I'll, I will probably buy him before I sell him again in my league. He might, he might be my biggest miss ever, ever in, in Dynasty, yeah. in 20 he, plus years. You're not the only one who missed on him for sure. And I did for a long time and finally came around. And, and like I said, last offseason, uh, in the middle of last season, I bought him a couple times over the last year and a half, and it's paid off big time. And, and he's one of the reasons that I've been fortunate enough to win a couple of the leagues that I have. Uh, last thing from this game, Deshaun Watson was great again, 365 and three David Johnson, 
found pay dirt, 14 for 84 and a score, also caught three. And Brandon Cooks uh, stayed healthy this year, really, Matt. 11 catches, 166 and two scores. He looks like the Brandon Cooks that was a wide receiver one at one point. He's, he's pretty good. He's pretty darn good when he is healthy, and, and he will continue to be pretty darn good as we move forward. Uh, the Colts, they rode Jonathan Taylor. 30 carries, 253 yards, and two touchdowns. Caught just one pass, but it didn't matter. He broke Edron James's single-game rushing record, and he was just awesome throughout the game. The Colts went 28-14. to 14. You know, We always say, hey, what do we want to talk about? Before the, ga- the, before the show, Matt, we always write down what we want to talk about. Clean sweep. We're, we, we talk about JT every <laughs> single week. I got to know, Matt, how high is he going in startups next month? Let's see. In the one mock where, uh, where I'm participating right now, he is the 104, obviously, to our own Wyatt McDowell. So uh, he's, he's that guy, and I, th- I think that's right. I think he is running back four. I think I'm still taking McCaffrey at one, and then Barkley and Kamara are just above him. But after that, I think, it, I mean, I think you, we, we talked about Dobbins earlier, so I think you can make a case for him over him. Uh, but Taylor just has no real competition in that backfield. Wilkins, is, I don't think, is going to be with the team next year, and Naheem Hines probably going to still – steal some receptions again uh but uh, one of our i think it was it was either ken kelly or ken ken moody uh, a few weeks ago said that jonathan taylor is the is the new derrick henry and if m- maybe that's the case a younger version of him that's going to catch a few more passes uh I, so i wonder just going back to our our derrick henry conversation from a minute ago could you get Jan- jonathan taylor for derrick henry and, and your 2021 first would that get it done for taylor i, I kind of don't think so but that's a move that i kind of want to try to make that's the that's the kind of move I'd like to make yeah. for sure. Uh, it might take a little bit more than that, but honestly, on the right team, if you're if you if you really need a guy like that, it you could add to that offer, uh, especially if you're really a contender and you're you're building for that long term and everything. I wouldn't mind even adding to that if you have to add a veteran or a later round draft pick. You could probably get it done uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars in this one. Going to be a completely different team next year. Obviously, lots of rumors surrounding Jacksonville. Lavisca Chenault, pleasantly pleasant surprise to end the season with six catches for 68 yards and two scores. A guy that we all liked, at least at some degree, uh, throughout the offseason and into the season. It was nice to see him involved and come up with a few grabs and a couple of touchdown catches. The Chargers, they beat the undermanned Chiefs on Sunday, 28-21. to We'll skip the Chiefs here because none of the, the real Chiefs really played. Let's talk about Justin Herbert, 302 yards, Three touchdowns, also had that rushing touchdown. I mentioned earlier that I think Justin Jefferson is the rookie of the year. He should be. He probably won't be because quarterbacks win that award, Matt. It'll probably go to Herbert since Joe Burrow got hurt. I don't know how you feel about this. It doesn't take anything away from Herbert. He he was superb throughout the entire season. Uh, if you have him on your roster, it's very exciting and somebody you can build around for sure. Herbert's you know, really been better than advertised coming out of Oregon. There were questions and he's answered them. I think the only question someone could have is, is, you know, Anthony Lynn's going to be gone. Is, is the entire coaching staff going to be new? Is he going to be learning a new offensive system? I, I would say the, the counter to that is he just learned an offensive system in the NFL from college that is, uh, you know, I would say pretty different from what he was doing at Oregon. So uh, I have no questions about Justin Herbert. I think he's a top six ish dynasty quarterback easily 
Yeah, I think so as well. And, you know, you mentioned that he learned a brand new offense coming into the league. He did that in an off season where he couldn't get together right. with the coaching staff, couldn't work with it. Imagine what this guy could do. Wasn't getting number one reps. Off season. Wasn't getting number and one. And wasn't getting number one reps on top of it, even until the week that he started his first game in the NFL. So the sky is the limit for Herbert, no doubt. He is a guy though, Matt, especially in those super flex leagues. I'm still not willing to pay the inflated price for him because he's so expensive. Well, I, I just feel like if you are buying Herbert, could you buy Kyler Murray for the similar exactly. price or maybe like an extra third or something like that? Is there really that much difference between them? So you might as well go with the guy that's still young and established already. So I, I, can, right. I can see what you're saying there. But if I have him, I'm probably not. I'm probably not selling him. We'll see how it plays out. Even if they do change that coaching staff, there's been rumors that, you know, nothing really verified as of this recording. Uh, the weapons are in place for Herbert. Lots of lots of people already there. Eckler, of course, those receivers. I did want to mention Mike Williams, who went six for 108 and a score in this one. He flashes five times a year, Matt. And, you know, you live down there. You watch you watch, uh, watch these guys closely. He was a guy that I loved coming out of college because of his jump ball ability and the touchdown upside, which he's shown in the NFL. But the inconsistency is maddening. Is there ever going to be a point where you can rely on Mike Williams even as a consistent wide receiver three in your dynasty league? It's just difficult because between Keenan Allen dominating the targets when he's healthy and – you know, Austin Eckler in the backfield getting, you know, eight to 10 targets a game, some games. It's just where is the consistency for him? He's a great deep ball receiver. Justin Herbert throws in a just a beautiful deep ball. Is there, a, I don't know if there's a prettier, maybe Russell Wilson, prettier deep ball right now than Justin Herbert. Uh, but so you would think that those two would hook up more than they are, but it just seems like to be a volume issue for him. And I don't really see that changing too much. Yeah, and, and the downside for him is legitimately one catch for right. four yards, or one catch for 17, egg, which we've you know, seen. Was, or the goose yeah. egg. We've seen those kind of games throughout the season. That upside is great, the five for 99 and a score. But as a deep threat, he's also – and a big deep threat like he is. He's also one of those guys, Matt, that sometimes he just draws the penalty and we don't yeah. get points for that. Right. But the Chargers love it, so he continues to get those targets. So uh, it's just frustrating to to have a team with Mike Williams and want to put him in your lineup, and you just can't with any any certainty, that's for sure. Uh, the Raiders, they snuck past the Broncos, 32-31. to 31. Derek Carr, 371-2, and two, also threw two picks. Josh Jacobs found Pater twice, 15 for 89, but wasn't involved in the passing game once again. And Darren Waller was... Incredible. Once again, nine catches, 118, and a score for Waller. This Raiders team, they finished the season 8-8, eight and eight, Matt. There's not going to be any changes in that coaching staff, uh, but it, it just it doesn't seem – it doesn't seem like things are all that good in Las Vegas. What are your thoughts of this Raiders team, especially this offense and what they need to do to both help their playoff uh, prospects for the future and also help dynasty managers to take it to the next level? Replace Derek Carr. <laughs> uh, yeah, it feels that way. I, I, I've, I've, I thought maybe you'd go that way. Yeah, I just don't. I mean, I don't know how they necessarily do that. Like, is there going to be a quarterback available to them? Not in the draft, certainly, unless they make a big move. Uh, you know, in free agent, maybe free agency, maybe one of these 
veterans want to hang around and they and they go that way but it, it feels very difficult for them to fix that position right now so the the the, the way i want to go i think in dynasty this offseason with this team is i probably wanted to try to buy rugs and he was not a, not someone who i was a big fan of i think you and i had opposing opi- opinions on him coming out uh but you know for the first receiver taken in the draft for him, his value to fall to what it is now, I think he's somebody we have to keep on our, our radars this offseason. Just the, the, the three most recent trades for Ruggs, I pulled up real quick in the DLF Trade Finder. Ruggs and a 2022 first for Cooper Cup. I think I probably want Ruggs in the pick there. I, I am the Cup the, the, the cup homer, but you know, getting that extra first on top uh, and, and buying back some years is, 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 is pretty attractive. This one is really interesting and is going to test you, Dan, I think. Rugs a 2021 and a 2022nd first, so two firsts in consecutive years for and rugs for for DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, like if you're going to get out of Nuke, that's a pretty good return. Basically three, basically away. three, three firsts, right? And I don't know if you yeah, can really probably, get get more. It than probably that. depends on how you feel about the first next year and where you think that's going to land. You should have right. a good idea of that one. If that's even a mid first, it, it it's an easy decision. Or it's a lot easier decision to jump on the on the young receiver with with the package of picks. Yeah, and then this this last one, it's pretty easy for me as well. Waller, we just talked about monster season, obviously, but in in leagues especially that don't offer any bonuses for tight ends, or even even in you know the the slight bump, the one and a half point per tight end reception leagues, I'm still taking this day, deal all day. Waller move for Rugs and a 2021 first, so I'll take the pick and the receiver there and move on from the the tight end value. I think. Yeah, I think I would too. It's it's not a slam dunk for me, but but it's a close one for sure. Um, for the Broncos in this one, Matt Drew Lock three thirty nine and two touchdowns. Um, Melvin Gordon just fell short of a thousand rushing yards. So he's while well, we talk about who finished the season as a as a running back one and a running back two, he's gonna he's gonna fall on that list once again. <laughs> he goes twenty six for ninety three and a touchdown, four catches for seventeen. Uh, he scored nine times this year, 10, if you count the receiving touchdown, Melvin Gordon, is he just, he's just this guy that's going to hang around for a couple of more years as a RB two, but never really be the guy that can win you weeks anymore. I I think the ship has sailed on that. I don't, I don't necessarily disagree, but he is under contract for 2021. He's going to be back. I don't believe Philip Lindsay is going to be back. Maybe they bring in, uh, you know, some death behind him, but it seems like he's going to be the guy in 2021. And, uh, you know, I, I think that has some value, especially for maybe you, you run a zero RB style draft in a startup next season. I think he has some some value there as a as kind of a, a you know, just like a just somebody you can plug in at the running back position who probably isn't going to have a ton of competition uh, for touches. You have to think the team is going to be better, whether or not Drew, Drew Locke is the starting quarterback next year. It seems like this coaching staff, there, there's going to be some changes there. Uh, the offense line should be better. Cortland Sutton's going to be back. So you have to think the arrow's pointing up for this team, and we want running backs on good teams. So I, I'm not sure that this team is going to be great in in 2021 but they're probably going to be better than they were this season so I'm, I'm, I'm still fine holding on he's another one of those guys maybe obviously to a much lesser extent than Derrick Henry but somebody you probably just have to hold on to if he's on your roster uh, I, I I don't know if I mean I guess you could take a second round pick for him you're certainly not getting a first but I don't really know how much if you're if you're a competing team in 2021 I don't know how much that say that late second helps you versus Melvin Gordon you know yeah, he's like I said, just gonna and like you said, I guess just gonna hang out on your roster and guy you'll plug in as an RB two. He'll have dip, disappointing weeks, and he might be that guy that that becomes touchdown dependent down the road. Uh, a good player for sure has been for you. I'd rather have him than Gurley. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. In a landslide, I trade I trade Gurley in a heartbeat for, yeah. <laughs> for Melvin Gordon, no doubt. Uh, a couple games yet to get through. We are running out of times here, Matt. So we'll talk about the worst football game of week. 17 that was the Rams and the Cardinals Rams went 18 to 7 it was John Wolford against Chris Stevelier Stevelier whatever his name is uh, for most of this game Hopkins was 4 for 35 Kenyon Drake 10 for 36 and 3 catches for 15 Cam Akers was shut down 21 carries 34 yards 4 catches for 52 Robert Woods even 4 for 36 it was ugly Matt I is there anything, any takeaway from a dynasty perspective here? Buy Cam Akers, sell Kenyon Drake. That's, yeah, that's, that's I like what it. I got. The other game from that division was the Seahawks and the Niners. Seahawks outlast them 26-23. to Russell Wilson had another ho-hum game, 181 and two touchdowns, 29 rushing yards, both touchdowns. Went to Tyler Lockett, who went 12 for 90 and two. DK Metcalf, on the other hand, Matt, three catches, 21 yards on nine targets. His last five games have been rough. Five for 80, okay, that's all right. Six for 61 and a score, we can live with that. Then five for 43, six for 59, and then in week 17, three for 21. Are you at all worried about DK, especially when we consider most dynasty managers are considering him a top three wide receiver and potentially even a top, a first round for sure, but a top five or six or seven startup pick. Yeah, I took him at 106 in this this new mock that's starting for January. I, he's still my wide receiver one. I'm, I, I I still feel okay about that, mostly because I don't think his floor is that bad. This game was obviously not great from a production standpoint and one that I, I didn't really watch that closely, so I need to go back and examine what happened. Nine targets is a lot for him to only come up with three catches, so we'll have to see. Uh, I'll have to go back and look closer at that. But the other games, floor games, I think you're looking at, uh, you know, as Russell Wilson's uh, volume and, and I guess efficiency has come down over the second half of the season, you know, DK has kind of declined a little bit as well. But this is still a good team. Russell Wilson's, I still think, has the best deep ball in the game. And, and if we can get this kind of floor with those monster, that monster upside that we know DK has, I don't, I don't think really anyone, maybe maybe A.J. Brown in terms of a physical uh, and an athletic standpoint can, can rival him uh, of these, this group of young receivers that work in the Cassander at the top of our, our drafts. Uh, I don't think there's really anyone else that can compare to what he can do from a, from a ceiling standpoint once we get there. Obviously still very young, years away from his prime productive years that we know wide receivers hit in their 26 to 28 range. Uh, so I'm, I'm still on board with DK as a, as a high and as a first round pick. Yeah, he's definitely a first round pick. I think some of the, the shines come off the, a little bit. Some of the shines come off just a little bit. I think that's a good way to put it for sure. And and I tell you what, Russell Wilson having another down end to the season for so you know weird. It's been multiple it's years just so of this. Weird. And it, it's so weird. And it's frustrating and it and it just makes you think twice about the Seattle offense and if they'll if they'll ever figure it out to do it for a whole season. It, it, DK was not on a lot of championship teams. Because Russell Wilson wasn't getting him the ball down the stretch, and that's frustrating. I, I will say, if there's any kind of discount on DK this offseason, <laughs> absolute, absolutely buy it. And if, 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 if you want to play this weird trend that's happening, I, I think it's probably too risky. Uh, but, you know, buy him this offseason if there's any kind of discount. Play him while Russ is hot the first six to eight games of the season, and then move on then. 
Yeah, if, if he gets hot in the first half of the season, very few are selling DK. <laughs> no, I know. I, I'm not selling outside. him, but if, you, if you're a believer of this weird trend that keeps happening, then you may be right. the rest of the Right. I see your point for sure. Uh, for the 49ers, George Kittle, 7 for 68. So he gets healthy enough to get on the field, still productive. Jeff Wilson Jr., once again, 20 carries, 76 yards at a score, also caught a touchdown pass. He's good when he's in there. So with Kittle, Matt, uh, I doubt there's any discount, of course, but man, he when he's on the field, he is just so dynamic and can stretch the field. He's fun to watch for sure, and a guy that I love to have on the couple dynasty teams that I have. I love what what Kyle Shanahan and that whole front office and and that coaching staff is doing there. San Francisco in general, is this a place we want to be buying into? Because they seem to know how to use their weapons and get their weapons the football. I I think. 2021 will be a lot better for your dynasty assets in San Francisco than it was this year. Yeah. It'll just be fun to see them, you know, all the receivers and, and Kittle healthy at the same time, which we didn't really see. I'm not sure if we saw at all this season, if when, when Kittle was out Debo or when, excuse me, when Kittle was playing Debo was still out. So I don't think we saw all three of those guys, including Ayuk on the field at the same time. Quarterback is certainly a question mark. Is Jimmy G good? We don't know. Is he going to be back? Is it going to be better? Is it going to be one of these other guys, but we have to trust what Kyle Shanahan is doing. He's, he always produces productive fantasy assets. So, uh, yeah, I'm still still buying in. Absolutely. Matt Ryan, maybe? Matt Ryan. Yeah, Kirk Cousins. Uh, yeah, know, something know. could happen yeah, there. I think, there's I think Kyle parts. Shanahan might be looking for a new quarterback, and that could be good for, for Dynasty for sure. Absolutely. Uh, so that wraps up the, I guess, I guess the 16 games that or the 15 games we had to cover here. Matt, um, we're going to welcome Ryan back next week, and we're going to start talking about these rookies wrapping up, putting a bow on their rookie seasons, talking about the best and the worst from this class. Guys we should be trying to add to our rosters, maybe some guys that we should be trying to move on from after rough seasons. And uh, then we'll then we'll start talking about this next class of rookies after that. So for Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again in the